Hey, Leif Johansson here on WJFF. This week, I'm starting an ongoing segment on education here in the Catskills during the pandemic. Obviously, these last 12 months have been tough for everyone, but there aren't that many groups who have been put in as tricky of a situation as our teachers, school staff, and administrators. Last March, schools across the country went remote, and teachers had to suddenly figure out how to put all of their course material online to finish the year. This fall, most schools opened again for in-person instruction, but not in a way that would look familiar to any of us who went to school before COVID. One of the most interesting things about this is that while there is some state guidance on maintaining a safe environment for students and staff, each school, including those here in Sullivan County, has developed its own unique way of managing the education of our young people this year. In this segment, we're going to check in with superintendents and teachers from across the county to get an inside look at what it's been like to be placed on the front lines of the pandemic. We're kicking off this segment with a conversation with Misha Gupta and Jack Comstock from the Homestead School in Glen Spey. If you're not familiar with it, the Homestead School is a private Montessori school that offers a hands-on holistic educational experience for their students with a focus on sustainability, outdoor learning, and community engagement. Admittedly, it works pretty differently than most public schools, but that also means that their story of operating during the pandemic is also pretty unique. Recently, I sat down via Zoom with Jack and Nisha, the husband and wife team who are the head administrators of the Homestead School, as well as teachers there. Disclaimer, I went to Homestead for a few years during elementary school. Me first or you first? Go for it. Okay. Um, so I am Nisha Gupta. I uh, have been in Sullivan County, actually on and off since I was 12 years old, but I moved here after meeting Jack um, in, 2000, in 2000. And I moved here because I met Jack and I went right into teaching at the homestead in 2001. We did a Montessori training and I've been teaching for almost 20 years now at the homestead school. And Jack and I got married early on in that 20 years and we have uh, worked together to expand the school through eighth grade and starting next year, we'll be going through ninth grade and going through high school over the next four years. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I'm Jack Comstock and I, oh, we gotta, we gotta pause. My, my dad just walked in. Jack's dad, Pete Comstock, founded the Homestead School along with his wife, Marsha, in 1978. The two of them are semi-retired now, but he was dropping off some firewood at Jack and Nisha's house during our conversation. Um, anyway, are we good to keep yeah, going? Yeah, I think okay. we're good. Yeah. I'm Jack Comstock, and um, I was born uh, right here in Glens Bay. Um, my parents started the school when I was two years old, 1978. And I attended the homestead through third grade and uh, am now in my 20th year of teaching here at the homestead. So first of all, um, you know, w with both of you being in the unique position of being not only educators, but also being people that are actively running and managing uh, an entire school, including like 
all this development you guys have going on in the next couple of years, as well as managing it in in the day to day functions of it. How are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> we we have um, we have worked seven days a week uh, really since the the pandemic uh, hit, and we we shut down for online learning. Um, I would have to say it's been uh, it's been a lot of work. It's also been exhilarating. Um, all of the all of the changes that we've been forced to make at the school, from building out our outdoor uh, education, uh, putting up all the teepees, to you know to managing the to managing the pandemic, and just looking at how how a community can operate during a crisis like this. Um, I think it's taught us a lot. Um, you know, some days we're we're tired. Some days we're, you know, we're we're excited by by all the potential that's come through all the changes that we've had to make. Yeah, I mean, our kids have been great, and that's why it's working because our kids our kids are learning a lot through this as well. That you know, when a crisis happens or when something happens, you know, people hold the opportunity to step up and kick in and. And our, our kids have been wonderful about understanding that, you know, it's it's our job right now to um, do what we can to provide what we can for the community. So as Jack said, in the beginning, it was providing online learning and support to the staff to, you know, get into online learning and the, and the community. And then Jack was making PPE the whole time in between teaching and, um, and then over the summer, it turned into um, building TPs and writing reopening plans and doing research on all the different elements that we could bring um, to the school to continue to provide on-campus learning safely during the pandemic. And then it turned into um, advising families on what's safe and what's not safe, you know, trying to not become doctors and not become, you know, take on hats that we don't wear, but, you know, offering our, our perspective through the lens of keeping the community safe. And, you know, that's become a huge part of what we do. So we established how to bring the kids onto campus safely and how to continue a hands-on educational experience safely and um, and just, you know, every day brings its challenges. And like Jack said, we work seven days a week. We're, we're kind of learning how to set some parameters, um, but that doesn't always feel appropriate to set parameters. It just feels like, you know, you just have to find your sacred moments, you know, of, of personal time and and let those rejuvenate you and, and then keep going. So you guys have both now mentioned finding safe ways to to bring kids back on campus. And, and Nisha, you were just talking about, you mentioned hands-on learning. And um, for those who might be listening who aren't familiar with Montessori schools, one of the big facets of the educational system in a, in a Montessori school is that kids learn better when they have some physical relationship with the things that they're learning about. How do you guys square being a fervently hands-on institution with a deadly pandemic? That's a great question. And that's exactly what we had to address from the very beginning, because we knew we wanted to bring kids back on campus. And we know that the core of what we offer is a hands-on experiential experience 
um, to the students because the, that's the foundation of the Montessori philosophy is that you learn through all of the senses, through all of the intelligences and, um, and how do we continue offering that? Um, we couldn't be a Montessori school online. That's not, you know, that wouldn't work because that's the opposite in so many ways. Well, there's one, one piece that we'd be missing that's really essential to, to Montessori is, is learning within a community. Yes. And that's very hard to replicate online. Yes. The, the mixed age classrooms, the social learning, the collaboration, the cooperation, all of those skills that are just so essential for um, growing into our, our humanity are, are very hard to deliver in an online setting. Um, and, you know, we, we certainly did our best uh, when we had to be online last spring. Um, but it was very much our intention to do everything in our power to, to keep ourselves open throughout, you know, this year, um, so far so good. Um, yeah, we're going to keep, <laughs> keep doing our best. So some of the things that we did do to be able to come back on campus were, uh, we created outdoor learning spaces. So each classroom either had a teepee or the middle schoolers created their own biodome. So what we were doing by creating a weatherproof um, outdoor learning space was we were creating space for each classroom to have only half capacity. And our school has our, always had two teachers in a classroom minimum already. So we already were set up as far as teacher to student ratio to be able to do that. So we just needed to make the weatherproof space. So that was one of the major elements was we erected nine TPs on campus so that um, the different classrooms had a place to go. We um, did some research and found some amazing ionizers. We did research on um, the best way to sanitize, so hypochlorous acid, and we bought what we needed to to, to um, you know be able to have hypochlorous acid sanitizer at all times. We uh, did some training with the teachers who then worked with the students to keep a hygiene protocol. And then Jack created some core Montessori materials so that instead of having students share, each child could have a personalized set of core Montessori materials, such as the movable alphabet, the bead stairs, um, just little packets that each child could have. So that way they're not sharing as many materials and thereby, you know, decreasing the chances of, of germ spread. What was it like uh, last March when all of this suddenly hit really fast and and all at once for for you and for your students do you want to answer that because you took the charge with um having us shut down before before the state did yeah i mean there was there was just a sense that um the pandemic was was too new um that that the the response was too slow uh so we were already deep in talks with the admin team to look at what a, a temporary shutdown might look like um, to start to prepare uh, staff for that. And uh, so we were, you know, it ended up that we were just a, a couple days ahead of the curve um, on that, but it helped because before the order to shut down came, we had, we were able to get a bunch of materials to our students. We were able to meet as a staff and and start to, imagine what online learning could look like. And we were able to do that together in each other's presence, which made it a lot easier than trying to scramble and, and, 
have the staff meet online and, and learn the tools online. Um, so that was very helpful. Absolutely. I, I'm thinking those those couple days that we had, we we canceled school to create an in-service day. Um, and that day to me felt so important. You know, we all gathered as a staff and, and we were like, we have to be ready to go online and just to be there as emotional support to each other and actual practical support. Um, okay, I know how to use Google Classroom. <laughs> okay, let me help you learn. And you know, okay, so let's create a copy room schedule so we can all get what we need to out. And just having those couple days together before we were mandated to not be together anymore was was essential. And um, and I think it allowed the teachers to get in the space to be there for the kids. both feeling at that point you're you've been teachers for two decades now and you know obviously this was like nothing anyone had ever experienced before i you know i have to say i don't know how much we really felt in the beginning it was almost like we just kind of kicked we kicked in and and what was interesting for us though was that it wasn't just kicking in as educators it was kicking in because the very day that we started online, we got a text from our friend in New York City who says, hey, do you know about the PPE movement? And and so like the very first day we went online, we were called to action to support New York City in getting um, face shields. And, and so as probably in true fashion for us, you know, Jack and I have we come together and, and we teamwork and say, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what you're good at. And let's, you know, and let's do this. And so, you know, pretty quickly um, it was clear from the beginning that our students were capable and would benefit from a consistent online presence. And so. And just for a little context, we both teach in the middle school program. So the transition for our students was certainly easier than it was for younger students who the technology was new for and, you know, Learning online was, um, you know, a bigger, bigger transition towards towards being more abstract, um, where they're used to all this hands-on materials in a in a bigger way. And we were used to, you know, we're used to being there for our students already um, as emotional support, as you know, academic support, as developmental support. You know, that's that's we're kind of like a family at Homestead already. So to transition, I guess one of the things we were thinking was how do we support our kids with this? You know, how do we, you know, how do we make sure we still have that connection and they have the connection with each other? So we gave a lot of space to just talking in the mornings and then getting into academics. And, you know, as, as the, as we realized that we're not going back on campus, you know, each, each time it was another two weeks, we're like, okay, so you know, what do we need to add to what we're doing online? Maybe we need to add a little bit more, get off the screen and work in small groups and, you know, get off the screen and make sure you exercise and come back and tell us about it. And so we yeah, just kept yeah. going with the the flow. Yeah. Health, health and well-being are a big component of what we do in our curriculum to begin with. Um, so we, we were still incorporating that into, into our lessons um, and building time for that. But like Nisha said, there there was a need to help students 
take greater charge of that, given that they were at home, uh, you know, at the, uh, you know, trying to figure out for themselves what, what a daily routine could look like. So we, we did spend a lot of time helping them think about their day, thinking about, you know, what's, what's going to help you get through the day feeling, you know, your best self. Moving forward into this past summer, what was the, the decision that you and the rest of the, the admin staff came to as to how the, the school would operate in the 2020-2021 school year? And, and how did you come to that decision? A lot of meetings, a lot of deliberation, um, a lot of planning out of countless scenarios that, you know, that we, you know, we were not sure would ever unfold, but, you know, just trying to have all the contingencies in place. Um, just the daily logistics were, were a huge part of, of our consideration, uh, given that a lot of our students come to us um, in, in carpools or, you know, parents driving them. So, you know, just figuring out the, the logistics of parking lot arrival dismissal <laughs> took up a huge, huge amount of time. Um, figuring out how to keep the cohorts separated and spread out was a huge one. And then, you know, certainly trying to imagine what online would look like if we had to had to be online for any longer duration of time um, was was a big consideration throughout the summer. And we we set up task forces at each uh, program level, and teachers met throughout the summer to to think about how we could translate Montessori. Uh, to to an online model uh, more effectively, um, and one of the big determinations was to to make sure that we provided more um, more face time with the students. Um, in the spring, there was there was a concern about uh, uh, bandwidth in our in our county, whether or not enough families would have internet access that would support uh, streaming um, virtual meetings. So we we opted, not knowing for sure, to to have more pre-recorded lessons at the at the younger levels. Um, also, because we didn't know what families would need, we wanted that flexibility. And also, it's aligned with the Montessori philosophy that the child can then you know receive the knowledge when they're ready. Um, so our our thought was that that was aligned with the philosophy, and then we kind of realized, well, parents need a particular amount of time. <laughs> That they that they know their kids are covered. So how do we find the balance between the Montessori philosophy with giving lessons and um, the fact that pe- the reality that people are at home? <laughs> so and also that the students were were looking for more interaction. I mean, there were certainly we certainly had uh, you know virtual gatherings throughout the day uh, in the in the spring, um, but having a, a more interactive situation was was definitely something that we we discovered we we needed to build out across all levels so looking at how teams could support each other and building out something really dynamic and then also building in instructions so that students could close up their laptops and and then continue to pursue something away from the screen and a more hands-on fashion was was a big part of our consideration and you know when we were when we were thinking about how to move forward for the fall, I mean, I think we were pretty clear, okay, we're going to be on campus, how are we going to do it? And so Jack and I started looking into yurts and, you know, sharing links with Pete and 
Pete was like, okay, we're going for the teepees. And, you know, so, so before you knew it, he, you know, he had, he had ordered nine teepees and you know, had the whole crew lined up to set it up. Yep. You heard that right. To create a more COVID safe learning environment for students, the homestead staff erected a bunch of teepees in the fields and woods around their campus. And one thing that was actually really helpful was the, you know, the state's guidance on the reopening plans. So as, you know, as we worked on creating homesteads on reopening plan, it, it actually was really helpful to see what they guided us to do. And then, and then we just went beyond that, you know, so we said, okay, so this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. And this is what we can do in addition to that, to keep our community safe. And and that was really a great um, scaffolding for our reopening plan. And the TPs were a huge part of it. The foundation of what we do here at Homestead, it's it's a balance of Montessori. We call it Montessori Homestead style. So it's Montessori, but on these 85 acres that we've been gifted with. And so it was such a great call to actually deepen our connection with the outdoors in our curriculum. So from the beginning, we were like, okay, we want to be open. We've got 85 acres. We can do this. And we were blessed with a really mild fall as well, which was, which was lovely. Yes. Not, not a lot of precipitation and the, the days were warm. So that, that certainly helped. We, you know, a lot of classes didn't even move into their teepees until the, the colder weather, weather hit, but you know, now they're, now they're all outfitted and uh, ready to go. So and the parents, the parents fundraised for uh, uh, pellet stoves, uh, rocket stoves. So each teepee has a rocket stove. So um, now Jack and Pete are on lighter duty in the morning. <laughs> they get the pellet stoves going so that it's, you know, it takes the edge off in the teepees and, and the kids can be in there um, much more comfortably. Do either of you see your, your role as educators? or as administrators having changed since uh, COVID hit? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? Okay, so um, so our role as administrators has monumentally changed. I, I sometimes feel like I want to write an email to all the new families to the school that this is not who we've been. We have been, uh, you know, a school that focuses in on the kids and the kids experience. And, and, you know, we used to send out one or two letters a year versus three emails a week with, you know, that are pages long with guidance and parameters and advice. And it's just, it's, it's changed in a huge way as a, as an administrator, there's so much more guidance we have to give that has nothing to do with education. It's all about safety. And, you know, this is what we need to do to maintain an on-campus learning experience for your child. This is what we need from you. This is what we need from your child. This is what your teachers can offer. This is what administration can offer. We're slacking on this. So let's tighten up on this again. And let's, let's remember this and let's add this in. So we can, you know, based on the new science, based on the new information, we need to ask our families to do this now. And, um, I look forward to not having that again, to have the emails being about coming together as a community in celebration of the education that we offer and not so much um, advice and guidance on what we need to do just to stay on campus. Um, and that, that said, I think everybody is very appreciative to have their 
their kids on campus. And we as teachers are motivated by, you know, interacting with students and, you know, that experience of, of you know, discovery. Um, but to have our students back and to see their appreciation for being on the campus, there's a whole new, there's a whole new level of, of understanding of how essential learning in a community is. Yes. And that's, that's really a beautiful thing. Um, and I think it's one of the things that, that carries us on a deeper level, you know, given that we, we have not stopped. Um, if, if it were not for that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we would be able to sustain, um, you know, that, that, that is a huge part of it. And the other thing that's come out of this is um, just a huge, it feels like a huge shift in, in people's um, desire to give back. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's just coming from the, the expansion that, that we're working on into junior high and, and high school, but we have so many people reaching out to us saying, hey, we would love to be a part of, of the homestead community. We would love to offer the skill that we would have. We'd love to, you know, there's a position for, you know, teaching language or math or whatever. Um, just so many people are reaching out saying, hey, I would love to give back or, you know, I would love to become part of, of what you're doing here. Um, and that's that's been incredible too, um, just to see that it feels like there's, there's kind of a re- renewed cultural understanding of, of the importance of education and, and education at a, you know, at a deep holistic level. And I think that, I think that, you know, people having to shift to working from home has allowed many members of the community to see what they can do and what they want to do. You know, people are shifting their priorities. And so all of a sudden, I think some of the reason people are coming to us is because there's been an internal shift, you know, an opening as to what we can offer each other in a community. Um, I, I going back to as a teacher, as an educator in the classroom, um, it's amazing how even though we have masks on, the connection is still so real and so tangible. Sometimes I even forget because you you know you still see each other's eyes and our eyes say it all you know people can tell if i'm mad people can tell if i'm laughing it's there's no shift in that so so um it's in the classroom it almost feels like a heightened experience because you still have that social connection that sense of community but there's that whole heightened level of gratitude Just a reminder that you're listening to Radio Chatskill on WJFF. I'm Leif Johansson, and we'll return in a moment to my conversation with Nisha Gupta and Jack Comstock from the Homestead School. Has the pandemic taught you guys anything, even as veteran teachers, about the theory of how students are motivated? Hmm. That's a good question. One thing I can say is you can see the importance of socialization in a whole new way. Um, The day that our school did announce that we were going online for, we we said indefinitely, we, it was one week, it was four days that we went online or maybe five days. But the day we told our middle schoolers, turn around, 
go get all your stuff from your cubby because we're going online on Monday. The looks on their faces and they were like saying goodbye to each other because the last time that happened to them, they didn't see each other again. You know, the, the school year ended and that was goodbye. And to see them, you know, just to feel the sadness and, and the heaviness of their perception of this, this might be it um, made it, you know, it just made it even more obvious how important the social experiences in education yeah, I think for me, it's it's highlighted. Um, I'll speak to the to the older students, the seventh eighth graders that, that I work with directly. Um, it's highlighted the importance of of being able to create with your hands. Um, that's a really hard thing to deliver online. Um, one of their big projects is is a micro business project where they they develop their own product, they um, learn how to market it, they sell it to members of the community, and in doing so, they they raise um, funds for a charity of their choice. Um, so it's one way that they've, they've had a tangible impact on the world, um, not only through creating something of value, but then also through, through supporting a charity. Um, and it's that kind of thing. Um, building the geodesic dome on campus to, to be used as a, as an extra learning space. Um, all those things bring such a richness to their experience and it's, it's developmentally appropriate for, for a student that age. And that that's very hard to replicate online. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's not that we, we didn't know the importance of it because, you know, it's, it's core to our program. Um, but I think it's highlighted how essential it is. Have either of you heard any time frame on when uh, faculty and staff might be getting vaccinated? And then, you know, based on that, have, have there been discussions about, okay, once however many folks on campus are vaccinated, you know, how are we going to switch over to some form of of normal if, if that can ever really be a thing? <laughs> um, do you want me to start? You can go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so as soon as we found out that educators can get vaccinated, we immediately sent out an email to our staff, letting them know of the different sites that we knew of where they could go sign up for vaccinations. And we communicated to our staff that we will fully support them in getting vaccinated. Uh, we will get subs if we need to work within your teams. If you need to go during the school day, go. Um, if that's So we supported them in doing that. Um, and then as far as a normal, we have to wait for the science. You know, we don't know what what the vaccination is going to, the effect that the vaccination is going to have. And then uh, until we know that it's safe to, to loosen up, we're not going to. I can't stop thinking about these, the TPs you guys have created and all of this kind of new infrastructure on campus that, that you guys have, have developed. So when things eventually at some point in time are back to some form of, of normal, you know, are you going to continue using any of these resources that you've you've created and kind of educational infrastructure that you've built? Absolutely, I think it um, it was it was an important shift to 
to figure out how we could use the outdoor campus on a more regular basis. Um, we use it, you know, many hours every day on a normal basis, but getting more of our, our lessons outside, um, being able to spread out into this amazing space of a, of a teepee, uh, you know, just, yeah, we're certainly going to continue to use them because they're just magical spaces. Um, and I think also, you know, just, just getting outside into the forest for, for, uh, you know, daily curriculum on a, on a more regular basis is, is something that we were pushed to do by the pandemic. Um, it's not always easy because the classrooms are so well outfitted with you know, all these beautiful materials. Um, you know, so quite often teaching teams will make use of, of that space uh, during the academic portion of the day and then head out for big long recesses and lunch, lunches out in the woods. Um, but I think we're, we were forced to kind of reimagine how we could use the campus in a, in a wider way, which has been exciting. And we've also um, brought on a, an environmental education specialist, um, which is the first time we've ever had that at the school. Um, you know, we've, we've just always relied on our teachers and their, their love of the outdoors. Um, but we're looking to, to build, build more of a, a nature immersion experience for, for students across the levels. Yeah, I, I would ditto what you just said, Jack. I, I'm thinking about how our our pre-K teachers were talking about how they were going to do counting with stones, at, you know, that they found out on the playground and, and they were going to teach colors with the leaves and, you know, those basic lessons that you could do indoors, you can also do outdoors. And um, COVID's been, it's brought some some positives, you know, and, and one of the positives that it has brought is, yes, we, you know, one of our aims as Montessori educators at the Homestead School is to give children the opportunity to have that connection with nature and their world around them. And the pandemic has supported us in taking that even deeper. Um, and we're absolutely going to keep using those TPs. And we were lucky through, um, Sullivan Renaissance, there was a Healthy Communities grant, and we were able to purchase, um, I think it was 40 pairs of snowshoes. And so we're going to have those for all the years to come. So, you know, our kids are going to be trekking out. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be having hikes for years to come, thanks to the pandemic. So, Well, that is heartwarming. Um, last question. The homestead is expanding and opening a new campus coming up. Uh, is it next fall that you guys are planning for? Adding ninth grade, correct. Over in, in Hurleyville. Um, yes. How is that coming along, the, the planning for it? And if you could give us a, a sneak peek of, of one or two of the things you're most excited for with that opening up. Yeah, it's, it's coming along really well. Um, there's, there's just a huge... Um, huge level of support uh, both within our community and at the state level for what we're, what we're uh, imagining. Um, it's, you know, it's really, I think in many ways never been done before um, this, this level of collaboration uh, at a community level. So there, there are many, uh, many pieces to figure out still. Uh, we're still in the early stages of it, but it's just a, Quite an incredible uh, campus that that we're going to have um, in Hurleyville between uh, 
the, the state of the art uh, makerspace being kind of our home base, um, all the wonderful resources on, on Main Street, and then of course SUNY Sullivan just two minutes away. So there's just an incredible amount of, of opportunity for, for students to interact within their community, um, to give back to their community uh, through service projects, through business endeavors, and then just to have a real high caliber uh, educational experience through the whole thing. So we are, we are absolutely ecstatic for, for the opportunities that are opening up and uh, super excited by all the people in the community who are reaching out to say, hey, we would love to support this venture, um, either through being directly involved or just being a resource. Yeah, it's it's really it's exciting. It's you know when you when you are dealing with just day to day issues during the pandemic, um, I do find thinking about the high school and the junior high and talking about the curriculum and and the outreach that happens from as Jack has said, we've had so many people just reach out and say, "Hey, I want to. I do digital media. I you know I." been a shop teacher. I, you know, I've done <laughs> aeronautics and I, you know, I'm, I heard about your venture and I'm wondering how I can contribute. It's just like the, the potential it holds. It, it's, it's perfect because one of the core aspects of the Montessori philosophy is follow the child and let the child's interests guide the learning and having that Hurleyville campus uh, where it's a hub of a variety of skills and opportunities. It just seems like the perfect place for an older child to receive a Montessori education. It's just really exciting. It's the, it's the fun stuff right now, thinking about the curriculum and thinking about, you know, making those connections in the community. It's one of the, it's one of the really fun parts of, of this year. A big thank you to Jack and Nisha for taking time out of their exceedingly busy schedule these days to chat recently. We will check back in with them as the Homestead School gets closer to opening their new high school campus in Hurleyville this fall. We will be back next week to continue our segment on local education during COVID, and we'll be talking to Dr. Matt Evans, superintendent of the Monticello Central School District, as well as Mr. Stephen Walker, superintendent of the Sullivan West Central School District. Hope you'll join us then. As always, thanks for listening to WJFF, your community radio station.